Why Joe Rogan isn't an atheist. That is our topic for today. It is the uh, it's the 9th of August 2022. This is uh, episode 81 of Fishing for Men with Mac where worldviews are discussed and I am coming to you here from the little town Sweet Home at the foot of the Cascade Mountains in Oregon. It's great to have you listen in. Um, should you continue listening to this podcast? Well, um, do you know Joe Rogan? Have you listened to some of his podcasts? Uh, are you curious as to where he stands on religious belief and faith? And whatever he believes, what does that have to do with us? If any of these questions seem interesting to you, then stick around. Now, why this topic? Who is Joe Rogan? Some of you guys might not know who he is, especially some of the folks from South Africa. Um, well, I got to know him. The first time I got to hear about him or, or see him or hear him speak is, is through the UFC. So I'm a, I'm a big UFC fan. And if you don't know what the UFC is, that's the Ultimate Fighter Championship. It's the mixed martial arts I would say the biggest championship in the world. Uh, you have some of the most, and by the way, this is an incredible sport. I know for those who've got kids and that and are quite sensitive about blood, I, I understand that and respect that, but it's incredible what these athletes can do. They can punch, box, wrestle, grapple, uh, masters in jiu-jitsu and judo and, you know, what it, twice kondo and whatever all of those things it's incredible what they can do in an octagon and you do that for five minutes you think doing something for five minutes is nothing just go wrestle one of your boys for five minutes in the lounge and you'll see it takes the breath out of you these are probably the fittest athletes in the world any case uh, he is a ufc commentator he is an octagon interviewer he's a comedian uh actor former television represent uh, presenter i think he was I think it was the guy that led Fear Factory in the States. And, and, and he is a podcaster. And he's probably the biggest podcaster in the world. The name of the podcast is The Joe Rogan Experience. Now, uh, he discusses a variety of things, you know, from political issues uh, and religion to uh, philosophy and science. So um, he has also interviewed some high-profile people, you know, people like Richard Dawkins, uh, Alex Jones, uh, Bernie Sanders, uh, Jordan Peterson, Ben Shapiro, Lawrence Krauss, and you know, I, the list can go on and on and on. I mean, he gets people on his show that I think many other podcasters wish that they could have on their show. So his podcast has about 11 million listeners per episode. In fact, Spotify, I hear in 2020, they obtained exclusive distribution rights to his podcast. Um, for $100 million, $100 million. So you can hear there, I'm starting to get the American accent. So he's a, he is a highly intelligent, highly successful person. He is a brilliant interviewer. If you go read it, uh, you know what people say about how he interviews people. It's absolutely brilliant how he does it. To ask the right questions at the right time. He is a rational person. Um, when you listen to him, he speaks sense. Um, yes, of course, he can be crude. He's a bit rough around the edges. And, you know, but sometimes that's good. You know, he's he's just being real. You know, um, he's done questionable things. He's 
smoked weed on his show with Elon Musk, for example. Um, and he did he did mushrooms with some other guy also before his show. And so he literally did his show while he was high. Uh, uh, he's gotten into trouble here and there for some statements he made, you know, with regards to COVID, etc. I, th- I think I think people resonate with him because he is real. He seems to be real. And I think this is what we want. We want people who are real. Um, we feel that our politicians are fake. We feel that some of our religious leaders are fake. We feel that some of our actors are are dirty. And, and so we don't know who's real. At least this guy seems to be real. Now, what does his belief system have to do with us? Now, if you look at this guy, he's rough around the edges, right? And, and he's highly intelligent and he's rational and, and he's interested in faith-related issues. He questions religion and faith. Now, if you look at all of that, all of those things together that I've just said, you would assume that he is an atheist. You see, the paradigm out there held by many people is this. Only unintellectual retards and Socially awkward outcasts believe there is such a thing as God. In other words, only dumb people actually believe in God, right? But then the opposite should be true then as well. Intellectual people with a high IQ, with great social success as Rogan, and, and people who are in the public eye like Rogan, they, they generally believe that there is no God. So technically, Joe Rogan should be an atheist, but he's not. And now you're probably waiting for me to say that he's a Christian. Well, he's not. Okay. He's something else. He's an agnostic. Agnostic. That means that he doesn't know if there is a God or there isn't a God. He says that there is no evidence. That's what an agnostic believes. He, He cannot say there isn't. And he cannot say that there is. Now, I respect that view. A truly intelligent person will acknowledge one of two things. Either God exists or I don't know. It's, it's possible, but I'm not sure. That's in my opinion. So, so reasonable people will take one of these two positions. Now, why didn't I include atheism in there? Well, it's only a fool that will quickly say God does not exist. Why? Well, long story, um, but he hasn't reasoned it through well. He hasn't looked at all the evidence. He hasn't thought through all of the questions of origin and meaning and morality and destiny. Uh, He hasn't really thought about the idea of consciousness. Uh, The person who says there is no God, he hasn't really thought through the implications of the evolutionary process. And I'll talk about that in in a moment. And, And Joe Rogan, he is sharp. He has reasoned with guys like Richard Dawkins and Lawrence Krauss and probably Sam Harris too. Now, maybe you know who they are. You don't know who they are. I mean, Richard Dawkins is probably the the leader of of, of atheism today. Lawrence Krauss is big in the States. Sam Harris. These are great atheists. He interviews them, but he still doesn't take their position. Why? Because he is a thinker. He is a thinker. He struggles with faith and he wants evidence before he believes. But he knows life on earth makes no reasonable sense 
without the existence of a higher power. Now, what that higher power is, he cannot explain. And so he refuses to say that higher power does not exist because he knows that he will get himself into trouble. Right? And so he takes the neutral ground and he says, well, I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to say, I don't want to become a Christian. And I don't want to say that God does not exist. And so he takes the middle ground. He sits on the fence and says, well, I don't know. Now, I like this guy. I mean, he is good at what he does. And you know what? I really, I hope that he opens up some time. Um, I really hope he opens up some time. That, that he opens up his heart to the possibility of, of, of Jesus actually being real. And, and I've seen recently that he's, 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 he's had some serious challenges. I mean, he got a guy into his show, and I don't know if you know about him, but he, this guy's a machine. Jordan Peterson. And if, if you're not listening to Jordan Peterson, you need to, you need to get with the program. Okay, you need to go check out Joe Rogan interviewing Jordan Peterson. Go check out, I think it's episode 1769. 1769, I think it's that one. And I think he was interviewed in 1208 as well. I'm not sure. But Jordan Peterson brings across the truth of the Bible and the power of the cross in those, in, in those interviews to, to Joe Rogan in a way that is absolutely incredible. Now, I'm not going to try say what he said. You need to go listen to that yourself. But, I mean, Joe Rogan, usually when he's being, when he's interviewing somebody, he's asking a lot of questions. And he's interrupting your answers to ask questions and to make statements the whole time. But Jordan Peterson speaks here in a way where Joe Rogan just sits and he listens for like five minutes each time. It's like, it's almost, you, it's, it's almost like um, Joe Rogan is just, he's just absorbing what Peterson is saying about the cross and about the Bible. And that shows me. That shows me that there is tremendous rationality to the Christian faith. There's tremendous rationality to the existence of the Bible. In actual fact, you go listen to Jordan Peterson there. He talks sense. That's a guy that hasn't really acknowledged that Jesus is his Savior. But he knows that all of the literally literary work that exists in the world is founded on the Bible. The first book that was ever printed in this world was the Bible. And all literary work explodes from that. That is absolutely uh, incredible. And then he talks about the cross and how deep the story of the cross goes. That the cross is the, the, the penultimate point of suffering. It is the penultimate um, example of the worst type of suffering imaginable for every human being on earth. And he explains why the cross is so relevant. And, and I really want to challenge you to go look at that. Now, Joe Rogan sits and listens to this. And it's as if his mouth is just hanging open. Now, I, I like that because he's open to reason. Not to get back to relevance. Let's talk just briefly about the difference between atheism and agnosticism. What is it that drives people into one of those two positions? Let's talk about atheism for a moment. For in case you're not sure what atheism means, theos is God. A theist is somebody who believes in God. An atheist is somebody who says there is no God. The belief that there is no God. Now, atheists, now listen carefully. Atheists don't want to believe. Okay, They don't want to believe God exists. But in the process, they believe something worse. Now, you'd be ready to stone me and throw me with rocks and say, no, 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 no. It's not true that atheists don't want to believe. It's because there is no evidence for them to believe. 
Well, then I would say, okay, well, what do you, you go sit and talk with an atheist and you ask them, you start unpacking and ask him, well, what do, what do you believe? Then where does the world come from? And they will give all kinds of answers. And then you'd say, okay, but do you have evidence for that? And they would say, no, but I don't have evidence for that. Oh, exactly. Because you are a believer. You believe what you want to believe. You want to believe the world exists outside of, in other words, it wasn't created by God. But I'll explain that. So, so at the heart of true atheism is the wanting to not believe God exists. Well, um, I think in many cases, the reason why people don't want to believe in God is because of morals. Now suddenly I've got to regulate my life. I can't just do what I want now. That's how people interpret the idea of God. One of, at least that's one of the biggest reasons. Now there's rules for me to follow. Like Richard Dawkins said, he, you know, Richard Dawkins said in the debate, he says, you, you know what, God is, God is petty. This Christian God is petty because he cares about what I do with my genitals. That's ridiculous, he says. Why does the creator of the universe that keeps all these stars apparently in place, he's concerned about us little ants on this planet and what we do with our genitals. Now, let me just interject there quickly and say, that's not a very clever statement. That's not very clever because 35 million people have died of AIDS since 1981. If they took a little bit more care of they, how they use their genitals, things might have looked a little bit differently. Let me let just sink that in. 35 million people have died of HIV AIDS. It spread primarily through sexual contact. But put that aside. You know, I can go on and on with you about what genitals have done to this world about unwanted pregnancies and about abortions and other STDs and children growing up without parents because people don't keep, keep their genitals in check. So, I mean, if, if we really want to go into this, I mean, we could go into this. If you feel it's a bad idea to keep your genitals in check as an example, I mean, you're not a very rational person. But leave, leave, let me leave that there. What am I pointing at? The atheist says, this is what he says. Listen to this. I don't believe in God. But I believe in energy, for example. Okay, well, can you prove energy? Can you touch it? Right? Can you explain it? Can you explain everything about energy? Because often what the atheist will say is, well, Yo, this doesn't make sense about God, so, you know, then how can I believe in God? Okay, but you, you don't even know um, why a yawn exists. You, you cannot comprehend how energy works. There are many things in our world that we don't understand, so you can't really use that. And you would, and this is the big one. The atheist would say, well, I don't believe in creation, but I believe in evolution. That's reasonable. That's rational, right? I believe in creation. Uh, I, oh, sorry. I don't believe in, in creation, but I believe in evolution. It's irrational, they would say, to believe that there is a God, okay, outside of time, space, and matter, who spoke everything into existence. That's a fairy tale, man. That's imaginary. I mean, you guys went there. How do you know that is true? Um... Exactly the same can be said about evolution. Okay? Instead of God speaking everything into existence from nothing, the atheist believes there was nothing. And nothing happened to nothing. And then nothing magically exploded for no reason, creating everything. And then a bunch of everything magically rearranged itself for no reason whatsoever into self-replicating bits, which then turned into dinosaurs. That's essentially what the atheist then believes. Like, they don't know where everything came from, but there was a Big Bang. They don't know how the Big Bang started. Okay? Now, now the Christian, he's got an explanation for the Big Bang. The Christian believes, yes, indeed, in the beginning, there was a Big Bang. Uh, it's, pretty, it's, it's pretty biblical, okay? Uh, when, you, when you have light coming out of the mouth of God at the speed of light, 
I think that there's a pretty big explosion, right? There's nothing except God, and He speaks things into existence, okay? That makes sense of, of the Big Bang. And you know what? Science says that there was a beginning. The Big Bang implies there was a beginning of everything. That falls perfectly in line with Scripture, but the atheist cannot explain that. Okay, and so, so these particles or whatever it is that exists suddenly out of nothing, remember God doesn't exist, right? I mean, it explodes, and so, somehow or another, this beautiful blue planet forms by itself, all right? And there's magically just water on this one planet, not the other planets. And then on this planet, because of the water, there are some um, inanimate matter that somehow or another turns into a type of soup, with the water and from that soup out of its own without any explanation of how that happens it, it develops into some type of a fish that eventually grows and matures and jumps onto land and develops into all the animals and the plants and, and, and whatever else came to be that is an incredible thing to believe in you see the atheist also believes okay i submit to you he believes in something much more radical than god the atheist would say, well, I don't believe in Satan, but I believe in evil. Well, how can you believe in evil? You say Satan doesn't exist. If you say Satan doesn't exist and God doesn't exist, then good and evil don't exist, right? You know, the atheist would say, you know, we got to do what is good and we got to do what is right. You'd often hear atheists talk about, you know, we need to do what's good. We need to do what is right. But what is good? What is right? What is good and what is right if God doesn't exist? In a world without God, who determines what is good? Because if God doesn't exist... We are not moral beings. We're just like the animals. Do you think Do you think a lion sits and he thinks, you know, is, this, is it a good idea to eat that antelope or not? Or, you know what, I mustn't cheat on my wife. Right? I mean, does the animal kingdom have morals? Do they? I mean, you get sharks that rape each other. You get, you get a male shark that copulates with a female shark. He didn't ask permission. He just does it. I mean, if we're going to say we're just like the animals, we're evolutionary beings, then we need to adopt their morality. Why is it wrong to rape them? Why is it wrong to kill? Why do we have a moral compass in us? Ladies and gentlemen, it's because we're not just moist robots, but we were created by a moral being. That's the only explanation. There is no evolutionary explanation for morality. And now that's, I've done podcasts on that, so I'm not going to go on with that. But, you know, I can go on and on with this, but you get the point. Atheists generally are not reasonable. They don't want to believe. They don't want to believe the Christian story. They don't believe the Christian evidence. And in many cases, they don't want to believe the rational evidence in the world. They want to believe something different, but they are believers. And you will hear them say, well, we're not believers. Of course they are believers. You don't have evidence for everything that you believe in. All right? You don't know everything to be true. I mean, you weren't there when that, when that soup mixture on the earth 13 billion years ago or whatever um, turned into a, a fish. You didn't see that happen, but you believe it. You know why? Because you want to believe it. You want to believe it. It's a worldview that doesn't require any change of you. That's why you want to believe it. It's a worldview that doesn't regulate you. It gives you freedom to behave like an animal. So that's that's the first thing about atheism, you know, I just like to point out, you know, they, they don't want to believe. But in the process, they believe something worse. Agnostics, on the other hand, are hesitant to believe because of reason and religion. I'll repeat that. Agnostics are hesitant to believe because of reason 
and religion. In simple words, they might have had a bad experience with religion. Religion doesn't make sense to them. And religion has hurt people. Religion has hurt them. It, it is meaningless. It's dead to them, religion. And they might have grown up in a church environment. And that's why they, they, they cannot say God does not exist. But they also don't want to go back to church. All right. Also, a big problem for them is the idea of miracles. And so they are hesitant to believe because they cannot make sense of the fact that Jesus would walk on water. And that's where I think Joe Rogan stands. He was brought up Catholic. Now, to be honest with you, I don't blame him for being allergic to religion. Okay, if I, if I grew up in Catholicism, I would probably feel the same way. And there are many aspects of my church background that I also feel allergic to. Okay, but his parents were hippies. His parents were hippies and his mom used to apparently, um, you know, take off all her clothes, go next door to the neighbors who were two gay guys, I think gay guys, I think, and then do naked yoga with them. Okay, so you, you imagine the hybrid religion or this free mixture life that Rogan grew up in. Now that has shaped his thinking. Now think with me for a moment. Take a person with a high intelligence, with hippie parents and a Catholic upbringing. What do you get? What do you think you get with that mixture? You get Joe Rogan, all right? Wild around the edges, reasonable, but allergic to religion. He seems to have an interest in the transcendent. And one of the things you can pick up quickly about him is that he is uh, quite keen on psychedelics. Um, he wants to experience out-of-body trips because he's interested in the transcendent. He is a spiritual person. He's just weary of attributing it to God. And I think he's weary particularly of Christianity because of Catholicism. Right? And that is understandable. So here is his thoughts. Just two of his thoughts that I could pick up sort of which indicates why he doesn't commit to any faith. Um, when, when he was talking about Jesus walking on water and rising from the dead, he said the following. When are we going to get past this? When are we going to step up and say, no one knows. You don't know. And don't say you know. If you say you know, you're crazy. Now, I like that. I like that he says that. Because he's not saying you, it didn't happen. That's what the atheist would say. The atheist would say it didn't happen. Joe Rogan is at least honest. And he says, well, I don't know. It could have happened. It could not have happened. And if anybody comes to me and says they do know, you know, you, you don't. Okay. Now, how does a believer answer this? Because I believe this actually happened. Well, let me be honest with you. I don't actually care whether it really happened or not. It doesn't change anything for me. It doesn't. You see, Christianity existed before the Bible existed. All right. The Bible exists because Christianity existed. The Bible exists because Jesus rose from the dead. And so Jesus lived before the Bible existed. And I believe in him. And that's a statement of, of faith. But in any case, we'll, we'll get to that. The word no is important. Because what Joe is saying, we don't know out of first-hand experience that Jesus walked on water. We went there. And so Rogan is correct. But you could also ask him, do you know Thomas Jefferson lived? And he would say, yes. But he doesn't have first-hand experience, eyewitness. He didn't shake his hand. So how can he believe in Thomas Jefferson? How does he know Thomas Jefferson lived? Well, because of evidence. 
because people have written about him and he trusts the people who wrote about it and maybe because there's a statue of him and maybe because there's some somewhere a tomb of him and maybe because you can't erase him from history and those are all the reasons why we believe jesus existed what do we reasonably know we reasonably know, and this is just not speak. I'm not speaking from a Christian perspective. I'm, I'm speaking from an academic perspective. We know Jesus lived. We know that he was crucified. We know that he was buried. And we know that his body is gone. That's a fact. And now we've got to figure out how do we make sense of that. And most historians, 80-90% of historians agree with us. Even Richard Dawkins on Joe Rogan's show agrees with us. We know Jesus lived. He's a real historical figure. How do we make sense of the fact that he had billions of followers for the last 2,000 years? Let's ask the question. If you go to the people who walked with him, the people who lived with him, the people who wrote about him, they explain this. They explain his life, his crucifixion, his burial, and his resurrection. They explain it through the resurrection. They say the man rose from the dead. He was the son of God. That's what the eyewitnesses say. Okay? Now, let me ask a question. Why would they lie about it? You'd say, well, lots of people tell lies. For money, yes. For fame and power, yes. But these guys died for that story. Who would make up such a story? Hundreds of people make up the story and they die because they tell the story. I mean, I don't know about you, but I'll stop telling the lie if it's going to cost me my life. Right? Are all of them liars? I mean, would you die for a lie? reasonably do you think that they were all hallucinating all at the same time and what about all the people today who claim that they have experienced god are they just hallucinating are they the stupid are they all making this up all the people that claim that god walks with them they walk with god are they just they just making this up it's just one mass propaganda machine everybody is just in on this massive lie and this hallucination how do we make sense of that let's be reasonable guys if the bible is untrue why has nothing refuted it yet nothing has refuted the bible yet and i say this confidently and boldly please bring the evidence no science and no archaeology has refuted the bible why is it that they find found wagon wheels in the dead sea when we know that pharaoh and his guys marched through the Red Sea on dry land. Why are there more than 200 flood stories across the cultures of the world in different places? 200 stories like the flood. How's that possible? And people say, yeah, but there's flood stories on islands because, you know, sometimes there, there are tsunamis that come through and that. No, 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 no. Some of these flood stories are in places where there is no water. There's no water. How could they have a flood story like that? What about Babylon? And the epic of Gilgamesh. It's a flood story, ladies and gentlemen. What about the Dead Sea Scrolls? People didn't believe in the Bible and in the 1930s that they had some issues with the Bible. Then they found almost 2,000 year old scrolls that were left there by the Essenes. A little shepherd boy went into a cave and he found these scrolls, real scrolls. And it confirmed the scriptures that have been kept by the Christians. All these 2,000 years were actually exactly the same. As what the Essenes had written down. What about the fulfillment of Daniel's prophecies? You know that the book of Daniel was written four, five hundred years before Christ came. You can go read it. It's in the Bible. What about that story? In there, Daniel predicts who the next kingdoms of the world would be. 
Just, just go read it. I mean, it's Babylon, then it's Persia, then it's the Greeks, and then the Romans, and then the church comes. Then Christianity comes into the world, and the Messiah comes into the world. It was perfectly fulfilled. How is it possible if God is not involved and God does not exist? You know, and I read this week another example, Kilimanjaro. They did some digging there, and lo and behold, lo and behold, there was a drought in North Africa. At exactly the same. This is this is done through diggings on Mount Kilimanjaro, the highest mountain in Africa, that proves that there was a drought in Egypt, round about the time that uh, Joseph was was on his way to Egypt. I mean, I can go on and on and on and on. There's evidence everywhere that what the scriptures say is true. Sodom and Gomorrah. You just go Google it. Just just go on YouTube and Google um, research found. Um, remains found in the places where the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah were. How were they destroyed? By fierce, fiery sulfur. If, if the book is all made up, why is there so much evident, evidence in the ground that supports it? At the end of the day, people like Rogan struggle to accept a miracle. And that is understandable. But if you honestly go look at it, there are many miracles happening in our world today as well. And for Rogan and every agnostic out there to believe in to believe God is real, they will need first-hand experience. And that brings us to the next statement of Rogan. Listen to what he says about psychedelics. He says, psychedelics are repeatable. You don't have to convince anybody of it. If they smoke it, they will experience it. Okay, you got that. This is his statement about why he chooses psychedelics over religion. And that statement is exactly true of Christianity too, by the way. You don't have to convince anybody that Christianity is true. If they accept it, they will experience it. You see, the true believer knows it is true because of what he experiences. 3.2 billion people claim to believe in Jesus. They are not hallucinating. The Christian faith has changed the lives of millions of people, including mine. If it wasn't real... You wouldn't have 100 million hidden Christians in China. If it wasn't real, the USA, science, hospitals, and universities wouldn't have existed. If it wasn't real, Joe Rogan would not even have had the topic of God on his podcast. So let me conclude. How do we deal with agnosticism? First of all, I'd like to say that, you know what Joe Rogan says, we don't know? Well, we know through a reasonable faith. We know through a reasonable faith. The Christian faith is reasonable. If you are a reasonable person, you will admit that it has powerful merits and it takes a fool to dismiss it. Rogan doesn't dismiss the Christian faith. He dismisses the miracles because it seems unreasonable to him as a person. But do you have evidence that just because you haven't experienced it or seen it, that it makes it untrue? No, of course not. And finally, remember, true Christianity is not religion. I am not a religious person. Religion is a man-made structure in the name of God. Let me use Jefferson Bethke to give perspective on what I just said. Please listen to him talk here about why I hate religion but love Jesus.
What if I told you Jesus came to abolish religion? What if I told you voting Republican really wasn't his mission? What if I told you Republican doesn't automatically mean Christian and just because you call some people blind doesn't automatically give you vision? I mean, if religion is so great, why has it started so many wars? Why does it build huge churches but fails to feed the poor? Tell single moms God doesn't love them if they've ever had a divorce, but in the Old Testament, God actually calls religious people whores. Religion might preach grace, but another thing they practice, tend to ridicule God's people, they did it to John the Baptist. They can't fix their problems and so they just mask it, not realizing religion's like spraying perfume on a casket. See, the problem with religion is it never gets to the core. It's just behavior modification like a long list of chores. Like, let's dress up the outside, make it look nice and neat. But it's funny, that's what they used to do to mummies while the corpse rots underneath. Now I ain't judging, I'm just saying, quit putting on a fake look. Because there's a problem if people only know that you're a Christian by your Facebook. I mean, in every other aspect of life, you know that logic's unworthy. It's like saying you play for the Lakers just because you bought a jersey. See, this was me too, but no one seemed to be on to me. Acting like a church kid while addicted to pornography. See, on Sunday I'd go to church, but Saturday getting faded acting if I was simply created to just have sex and get wasted. See, I spent my whole life building this facade of neatness, but now that I know Jesus, I boast in my weakness. Because if grace is water, then the church should be an ocean. It's not a museum for good people, it's a hospital for the broken. Which means I don't have to hide my failure, I don't have to hide my sin. Because it doesn't depend on me, it depends on Him. See, because when I was God's enemy, and certainly not a fan, he looked down and said, I want that man. Which is why Jesus hated religion, and for it he called them fools. Don't you see so much better than just following some rules? Now let me clarify. I love the church, I love the Bible, and yes, I believe in sin. But if Jesus came to your church, would they actually let him in? See, remember he was called a glutton and a drunkard by religious men. But the Son of God never supports self-righteousness, not now, not then. Now back to the point, one thing is vital to mention, how Jesus and religion are on opposite spectrums. See, one's the work of God, but one's a man-made invention. See, one is the cure, but the other's the infection. See, because religion says do, Jesus says done. Religion says slave, Jesus says son. Religion puts you in bondage, while Jesus sets you free. Religion makes you blind, but Jesus makes you see. And that's why religion and Jesus are two different clans. Religion is man searching for God. Christianity is God searching for man. Which is why salvation is freely mine and forgiveness is my own. Not based on my merits, but Jesus' obedience alone. Because he took the crown of thorns and the blood dripped down his face. He took what we all deserve. I guess that's why you call it grace. And while being murdered, he yelled, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do because when he was dangling on that cross, he was thinking of you. And he absorbed all your sin and he buried it in the tomb, which is why I'm kneeling at the cross saying, come on, there's room. So for religion, no, I hate it. In fact, I literally resent it because when Jesus said, it is finished, I believe he meant it.